And welcome to another week, Peachtree Post, alongside Jason Longshore, somewhere in the deep, dark forests of Georgia, somewhere, as he is providing all the ambiance tonight. I'm Jarrett Smith, here for soccer, about Atlanta, in Atlanta, for Atlanta, and uh, there's other words for Atlanta there. Um, Jason, how are you? Doing good, sitting out uh, outside on a lovely evening. A lovely evening indeed, that's... It sounds like someone just looping the audio for a heart of darkness. That's pretty impressive, to be honest. <laughs> Welcome to Stockbridge. <laughs> I don't have that. I just have cats. They don't make <laughs> as much noise. <laughs> you have not met my cat. Um, well, I mean, we can arrange that. Uh, getting into this week, um, past the cat banter, there's a, get a quick idea what we'll be going over managerial discussions plenty of them as you'll remember last week jason i'm gonna harp on this because i got one right i suggested last week that a 3-0 defeat by uh of seattle should get a manager fired they lost 3-0 and it got a manager fired so that combined with the christ hiring has really opened up the managerial search not to mention a certain person associated with u.s soccer who's really good at this sort of thing dropping hints that confused people about goalkeepers and quarterbacks. So we'll get into the managerial discussion. Oh, that was great. Let's let's not kid ourselves. That was great. Where yeah, I thought was, the same thing when someone posted it was like, "Oh crap!" That they oh wait, he's playing for Villarreal. So so that means he's going to Villarreal. <laughs> That's just weird. Um, we'll take a look at the transfer window. Uh, what's going on with Atlanta United players that we know are here? Um, about where they're going. Looking at guys we already have. What's going on in Charleston? And what's going on in Tampa. And then uh, take a look at the MLS at the All-Star break, including All-Star discussions. And finally, we'll preview the smoldering crater that is Seattle against the not-so-smoldering crater of uh, greatness that seems to be L.A. right now. But uh, first off, Jason, managerial searches. And like I said, I called it 3-0. Should get you fired. 3-0 got you fired. Now now say he doesn't have a job. And um, I'm not going to lie. I spent the better part of the afternoon trying to do a siggy 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 can't you see kind of pun and it just never really came together i'm glad Uh, i missed that my co-workers aren't my co-workers had to sit there for it they had to suffer they deserve it (laughs) um i guess short like to be blunt with it is siggy a guy for atlanta or is he a west coast guy you know i mean you look at it on paper he was the only manager Seattle's known. And yes, this year has been, I believe you used smoldering crater. Is that right? Yeah. Smoldering crater. I like crater. that. I like that. It's different. Um, you know, it, dumpster fire gets overplayed. So I like smoldering crater. We're going to go with that. I, I think, you know, you take that to the side and he's been extremely successful in Seattle and he's turned the Sounders into you know, an elite franchise in the league. I mean, they have not won an MLS Cup, and that's ultimately, I think, why he is you know, no longer there. But they are one of the marquee franchises in the league, and a lot of that is down to the foundation that Siggy Schmidt has built. thing about being a West Coast guy, though, um, it's hard to ignore. I mean, you know, he was at UCLA forever. Uh, he coached Carlos Bocanegra at UCLA, so there's your connection if you're looking for one um 
LAFC is coming into the league in 2018, and maybe he decides to wait it out and see what they have to say. That's 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 what I kept thinking about. Was everyone kept saying, well, "What if he stays in the West Coast?" And I, I thought, I was like, "Where? Everyone else is kind of okay right now. They're they're not in that shape." And then it dawned on me that LAFC is coming in, but with their uh, very interesting logo and name, as we've as we've got to the point now where all the teams come in together, all their names and logos kind of mix. Uh, Atlanta, Minnesota, and LA. All might just, might as well just form one giant super team of logos and names, and it's God. People are going to be angry next year. Oh, totally. man, that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. The first time these teams play each other, I can't wait for the really salty signs by Atlanta, Minnesota, and LA fans. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah, that was the thing I wondered as well. And and you talk about the connection with Bocanegra, and I feel like that's something we're always going to see with Atlanta. Because of the way Atlanta has been put together with connections everywhere, I feel like if we work hard enough, we can find six degrees of separation pretty much anywhere with anyone who's going to be tied to Atlanta in any real capacity. Yeah, it, it's That's just something that we're just going to have to get used to. It's, yeah, I mean, oh, you have to with guys who are so experienced, you know, like Bocanegra, who's played everywhere and, and knows everybody. Darren Eels, same thing. Paul McDonough, same thing. You know, these are all people who are extremely well-connected. So, like you said, it's not hard to find that connection, that six degrees of separation to anybody in the soccer world. Um, in this case, you know, I, I would not... I wouldn't be horribly opposed if they hired Siggy Schmidt tomorrow. Um, the guy's coached over 500 games at MLS... Uh, he knows the league better than anybody. He's had a successful startup that has turned into a marquee franchise. Um, tactically, I'm not a huge fan, but you know he's had his successes. I'm not gonna not gonna question that. Uh, I think there might be better options out there, but you you really could do worse than than a guy who is the most experienced coach in the league and it's coming off establishing an expansion team. I forget who said it, and I really wish I could remember, and I can't find it when I'm digging it up, because um, I would really want to credit him for it, but someone suggested that Siggy kind of had, he was the Bobby Cox out there without ah. the 95 ring. Yeah, that's good. Um, God, for the life of me, if I can find it later, I'll retweet it out um, and give it proper recognition, but I thought it was a great comparison. He's kind of got that Bobby Cox vibe out there without the 95 ring associated with it. Um, oh, I mean, they another, were one, an, another one would be Mark Rick. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, well, Siggy Schmidt, well, Schmidt did, Siggy Schmidt done lost control of the Sounders. Well, he definitely lost control. Did you watch the game last week? <laughs> I, I don't think he ran, I don't think he ran the ball enough. <laughs> I think that's what the uh, the team was so upset about, and people were walking out of training and whining and complaining, like our uh, article in Soccer Wire um, had heard. Yeah, none. And you're right. I mean, I did, and you you joke about it, and I know I know we're being light about it, but I did watch the game last week, or part of it. I watched enough to see that they just they laid down. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that has to worry you. I mean, when you, you think about bringing somebody in and they're coming off of a season like this that has just nosedived and you, you you thought that it couldn't get worse than it had been and the game 
in Kansas City was one of the worst performances I've ever seen a team put on in MLS in its history. I think it was like the fourth minute, Jordy Morris, like Morris broke down on a long run. I thought, oh man, maybe got a little fight in him. But no, 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 no. That was, that was the dying throws. The dying throws came at the fourth minute. So that tells you kind of how it went from there. But it was, um, man, I mean, you play and you, you laid down against a team that's been scoring a lot of goals, but not winning games. So now they had the chance to score goals and win games. They're going to bury you gonna bury you so deep the wolves can't dig you up and it's what happened it's a weird really weird situation in seattle with this because you know you look at them what's happened since they they pulled the trigger it's time for siggy to go everybody else in the staff is still there so brian schmetzer is now taking over on an interim basis he was there before siggy he was the manager of the sounders in the usl um, and he's been Siggy's lead assistant the whole time. You know, guys like Ante Razov, who has been there for you know a year and a half now, Siggy uh, brought him in. A lot of that staff, a lot of people around the soccer operation side of it are Siggy's people, and they're still there. So it wasn't a situation where you saw a whole coaching staff leave. It wasn't even like Orlando where you saw Adrian Heath and Mark Watson, his lead assistant, leave. It was just Siggy leaving. And there's been some things hinted in the in the media and some some things said if you're reading between the lines and some of these quotes that maybe there was a butting of the heads between Garth Lagerway and Siggy over players, over control, over who wanted what. And maybe this is Lagerway's, you know, method of putting his stamp on things. Yeah, that's going to be the big question now is, hey, look, the uh, the ball's in your court, so to speak, because the coach is gone, and this is your big move. You're, on, you're in the spotlight. You just got rid of the guy who's been there since day one. So next move up, and I, one of the things I saw today was someone brought up the question of, you know, what happens if they go out? We'll get into this later because we're going over the game. What happens if they go up against LA and lay another egg? I mean, I mean, what do you, what do you, do you really condemn a team for going out and laying an egg after their only coach just got, you know, shown the door that quickly? It's tough. It's tough. I mean, and you also have two high profile guys coming in now. Um, it's, oh yeah, it's a it's a really tough situation in Seattle, and you're what ten points back at this point. Um, I don't know the the playoff streak looks like it's over. I mean, it it ends for everybody, and it, I think it's one of those things. And I don't know, Jason. I mean, you're from you're from Atlanta as well. I know that when the Braves didn't make the playoffs for the first time, it didn't feel real to me. Like that was a thing that that that's not natural. I mean, I was born in the late 80s. Ever since I was a conscious human being, they made the playoffs for a long time. Like, Seattle's made the playoffs for such a long stretch now. It just doesn't feel rational that they, I mean, that they're not in. But, I mean, all streaks end at some point. I mean, except yeah. for a couple, like, EPL streaks about not getting relegated, going back a couple hundred years or so, a uh, hundred years. But, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, it's a it's a different song and dance, but... I don't know, man. It's tough. I mean, they, they've never missed the playoffs in MLS. You know, you look at the last few years they had in USL, they were extremely successful. 
this is really the first prolonged period of failure that the Sounders have had. I mean, you're you're going back into the middle of their USL run to find it. Uh, and can we uh, talk just for a second about the Schadenfreude in Portland? Because Portland just like took home hardware last year, and your really, I guess, yeah, and your rival is just imploding on the side of the road. Like, there's got to be some Schadenfreude. I don't care who you are. Oh, you don't have the, to lie about it. You know they're enjoying it. You know they're enjoying oh, yeah. every second of it. Like, oh, let's put it this way: Georgia fans, aside from the losses to Will Muschamp's Florida team, Georgia fans had to enjoy watching Will Muschamp take a finely tuned car and drive it into a brick wall. <laughs> oh, we did. Don't worry. <laughs> um, moving on to the next, uh, next moving on to the next manager, um, Taylor Twelman of uh, everyone's fame. You've heard his oh, voice. The Twelman bomb. The Twelman bomb, uh, manufactured in the same factory as the Woj bomb, yes. uh, just with a different sticker and a different serial number, uh, dropped the bomb on Twitter, Jason, and, uh, well, Martinez and Matt Ryan. Like, it that was, was... It was a sneaky oof. bomb. I, I, it I'll was. give it that one. A lot of people missed it. Like, you actually texted me and said, did you see this? And I was like, no, I didn't see it. And I'm looking back. I'm like, no, I didn't see it. And I look back at, you know, his replies to other people. I'm like, oh, whoa, that's a big statement to kind of hide there, Taylor. Yeah, he just, yeah, it's so casual. You just, you don't drop a bomb like you're dropping a coin out of your pocket. Yeah, he I did. He just... You know, I don't think he, he knows the, the strength that his Twitter account has sometimes <laughs> because, yeah, people massively freaked out on that one. Because I think it was a dude to Atlanta who, uh, who who I saw it from first and went, oh, that's, oh, uh, what do we do with this? Yeah. That was, um, that, that was something else. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one's different because, you know, we're talking – We've talked about Siggy. We talked about Adrian Heath in the past, and we've talked a little bit more about him too. Um, we've talked about other guys in MLS or out just out of MLS or you know in the lower divisions or assistants. Roberto Martinez, we're talking about a guy who I believe made around three million pounds a year uh, last year at Everton. Um, you're talking about a guy who it would be a significant check to come in here. You're talking about somebody who if he wanted to just wait for the job he wants and sit and do TV work for for a year, he could because he's that good at it. Um, you're talking about somebody who is coming off back-to-back 11th place finishes in, in the Premier League, which has been seen as this massive disappointment. Um, this would be a whole different animal than you've really seen in MLS. Um, when Twelman says something like this, you have to think that, you know, these two guys worked together for most of the summer at the Euros in France. Sure. They had a lot of conversations. I'm sure that during the whole time Roberto's worked with ESPN, he has asked a lot of people, a lot of questions about MLS. Um, I'm sure that, Darren Eels and Roberto Martinez have crossed paths at some point. It's not that far-fetched. Um, it's a it's a very different type of move than the Schmids, the Heaths, 
the Josh Wolf's that level of a manager. This is this is a little different. I'm man, that it just feels like it would be such a left turn. I maybe it's because the way we've been looking at things and the way we've been thinking about. Okay, well they'll bring in somebody MLS. Uh, Christ, uh, no, that's not gonna do. Um, well now Siggy's available. Well. Is he going to stay on the West Coast? Is that a thing? Oh, uh, Heath and the connection with uh, with McDonough. Oh, is maybe that's a thing? Oh, no, we're going to take a left turn and look at... And Like you said, three and a half million pounds? I know the pound got weakened with Brexit. It didn't get that weakened. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's still going to be looking to make money. And a lot of the concern I saw, especially on the, um, the Wednesday night soccer chats, which... We're going to never stop plugging this. Uh, Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. on Twitter, hashtag ATL Soccer. Come discuss things because then we'll discuss them um, secondhand. But he, every, everyone kind of, a lot of people had that idea of like, that'd be an interesting move. Would he stay longer than three years? Would yeah. he leave a succession plan in place? Um, I, I told you, and I put it out there like, I'm okay with a short term manager if he leaves a solid succession plan in place. And I trust Eels and Bocanegra and all of those guys to know what they're doing. But um, I'd rather have somebody for the long haul personally. But, uh, the, I, you know, they're going to do what they're what they think is best for the club. And I trust them in that regard. Yeah, I could go either way on that. Um, I want, you know, somebody who's going to be successful. I want somebody who, I think all the the seeds that are being planted at this point are leading to a true club type of atmosphere. I mean, the, the investment in the training facility, investment in the academy, those are things that you haven't seen expansion teams come in with. So I think the long-term plan is definitely going to be there regardless. Um, you know, there's definitely that affection for having a manager or coach who's there for a long time. I mean, you know, we've joked about Bobby Cox and Mark Richt and those are guys who were there for a long time in their roles and did well. Um, That would be the ideal. You know, everybody points to Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. There's not many of those types of managers out there anymore in any sport, let alone international soccer, where it seems like, more people are moving towards the Jose Mourinho two to three year type of thing. And then I'm out. Um, there's been, and I'm, I'm still learning more and more about Martinez as I go. Uh, there's been some talk of that, that he kind of burns teams out and you have to make changes in, in rosters over time or he needs to leave. Uh, you would have to worry some about his lack of MLS knowledge. I would assume that there would be an experienced MLS assistant on his staff that would help him with that. Uh, a Mark Watson, for example, who's been at San Jose with Kinnear and was in Orlando with Heath. Uh, he's out there. He's available. Um, other than that, I mean, he fits a lot of what you're looking for. Uh, attacking style. He has a good bit of experience, but he's still fairly young. Um, he has had tastes of success. Uh, he's won an FA Cup. You know, Everton last year for finishing 11th, they were semifinalists in the FA Cup, in the League Cup. Um, he is, you know, a high-caliber manager, and I would love to see it. 
I I'll buy that. I mean, I I'd be interested by the idea and you throwing around names. Have him come in, have an MLS kind of guy as a second, uh, uh, kind of off his shoulder, so to speak. That if and when he burns out and he burns Atlanta out, uh, you have someone who is kind of tuned into the MLS. They're ready to step in, and um, yeah, oh yeah, well, that's that's where you could go with like a Josh Wolf or Clint Mathis is another I name mean, that that pops up a lot. You know, bring them back to Atlanta. Yeah, and could you, yeah, see that as a here study under this guy for two or three years. He's going to leave. And then, you know, if if the cards are on the table and the cards are reading the right uh the right suit, here's the keys to the club. Don't wreck it, please. Yeah. I mean that's that's definitely something to look at. Uh and if if it's not Wolfer Mathis, there's other assistants in MLS who you know, are young and would benefit from working with somebody like Martinez and could take the reins later on. Um, Ante Razov is a name that, you know, I mentioned in Seattle. Uh, Wolf, Mathis. Wolf is uh, a name Steve I keep seeing a lot. That people want. Like, that he's a, kind of a fan favorite name I've kind of seen, so. Yeah, I mean, Wolf was a guy who, you know, I saw play in high school. He was uh, a year younger than than me. Uh, and I saw him play with Parkview, uh, watched his career, you know, just go up and up. And uh, definitely one of the the best careers of a player from Georgia that we've seen. And he's, you know, gotten some good experience as an assistant in MLS. He was in D.C. Now he's in Columbus. Uh, I would worry about a first time manager coming into an expansion team that's something i've been you know pretty consistent about and that it would still be a an issue for me because i think you have challenges with an expansion team that uh, somebody with experience can handle better um just bringing a team together just managing personalities managing egos uh that's a tough tough gig for your first time um but if you're gonna go in that direction you know wolf has some experience and I don't, I don't know his work. I haven't seen him run sessions. I'm not sure, you know, where he is. It, you don't know where he is in terms of in game tactics and decisions, but he would be somebody to consider, I think for the staff for sure. Yeah. And, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, it was a due to Atlanta United on Twitter at MLS, please. Who first pointed out by the way, that the, uh, who first alerted me to the Taylor Twelman room, and he it just popped up on my feed. I don't know if he was nice. the first to have it. He's the first I saw that had it, and then I texted you asking, "Please tell me you've seen this and you're writing something up right now because this is this is going to go over really well. I can tell right now this is going to go over well." Um, but kind of getting back domestic, um, Heath is still out there, and um, if you haven't checked it out yet, my advice would be to go online and check out. He penned an open letter. To Orlando, very yes. nice letter, very well done, very professional. Like it, it kind of it, it gave me the vibe. Like this guy poured his heart into this club, and um, like man, that kind of hurts. It must suck leaving the club that you kind of you poured your heart and soul into. But I mean, be that as it may, it's worth reading. But be that as it may, he's still free. Atlanta still doesn't have a manager until it gets filled. I'm not sure that 
while it might not be the number one choice in people's minds or it might not be the first name on the top of people's minds, I can't believe that it's not a name on a list somewhere in the Atlanta United offices. Yeah, I think there have to have been uh, some conversations there at, at a minimum internally, and I would assume that they've, they've had a conversation with Adrian Heath. I mean, you're one thing that came out after he he left Orlando that you know, everybody was like, oh, well, he's going to go somewhere immediately. One thing that did come out was that he was negotiating uh, probably the, the settlement terms. Um, I believe he had another year or two on his contract and had to negotiate the buyout before anything could come out. The fact that he did the open letter today and it was, what, about eight days after he was let go makes me think that they reached their settlement and everything is, is done and signed. So maybe we'll see some movement and things happen here quickly with it. Um, if you go back to the uh, Vishalba press conference and the question about the manager and, and Boca Negra made it fairly clear that it would happen soon. Um, and it was basically in the final process. Maybe that was a reason that all he could say was soon was that the, the final terms of, of Heath's departure from Orlando weren't done yet. I, Heath, um, I, he's, he's kind of an enigma a little bit, I think, in terms of what you're going to get. He's, he's a fiery guy. He's very demanding of his players. Um, you know, he's somebody who played at a high level himself. And I think he's, he's the type of player that you see becomes a good coach or manager um, who wasn't necessarily the most skilled, but got by on hard work and intelligence. And I think he expects that effort in return from his players. You know, if you ask Dom Dwyer, Dwyer's a, a player who gives him a lot of credit for getting him on the right path when Dwyer went to Orlando and USL on loan from Kansas City and really started the run that he's still on. He gives a lot of that credit to Adrian Heath. Um, he's a guy who had, he's, you know, like we talked about with Siggy, he just put together an expansion team. They were in the playoff race until very late last year. He has a lot to prove now. Um, he worked with McDonough to build that team, so that would be comfortable for him. Uh, I think attacking style is something he, he wants. Um, he likes to have possession, He likes it, but he likes an up-tempo style. He likes the ball moving quickly. Um, I think it could work. Uh, you know, his, his USL teams were compared to Jason Kreiss' teams at Salt Lake and Peter Vermes' teams at Kansas City. And it's a pretty good comparison. I mean, I, I think, you know, you've seen that with Orlando. I think what you saw with Orlando this year was inconsistency, and that was probably the biggest issue. But you saw a team all the way through that would fight and scrap and claw for everything in the game. And they made mistakes late and gave away points, but they also recovered points late with goals and just fighting till the end. Um, that would play really well here. I think, you know, Heath would, again, I think he'd be a solid choice. You know, out of the three we're talking about, I, I probably lean towards Martinez because of, you know, the caliber of experience he would be bringing to the table. And I think the, just the statement of intent of bringing a guy of that caliber in here as your first manager, that'd be huge. 
Um, I would probably rather have Heath than Siggy Schmidt at this point. I think Siggy probably needs a break. And instead of going straight into, you know, the six month run up to your first training camp, I think he probably wants a break. And I think LAFC is a better fit for him. He can take some time off before they start ramping up next year. Uh, yeah, honestly, put him behind the table, behind the microphone. That'd be really interesting. And yeah, it definitely would him, be with him. Yeah, that, I mean, put him behind the microphone. Um, let him kind of put his feet up, just analyze and talk about the game without having to worry about every little detail about a club. And, you know, you're right. Maybe maybe he comes back refreshed for L.A. or whoever picks him up, whether it's another club who decides to make the move um, or whether it is L.A. Um, but I digress. Uh, are there any other names you think um, we should be keeping an eye out for or that you would not be surprised to see? Well, I mean, we've we've talked about Wolf and Mathis. I mean, the local ties, I think, just have them in the mix. Uh, I keep going back to, and I'm hearing more and more kind of in the national scene about Giovanni Savarese, uh, the head coach of the Cosmos. You know, he, he's won trophies. He's dealt with big names and stars. Uh, I've always been impressed watching Cosmos games here in Atlanta with kind of his savvy as a fairly young manager in dealing with in-game situations. I think he he's a guy who's ready for the next level. I don't know if it's here, but he would be on my list, and I definitely would speak to him. Um, Octavio Zambrano is a guy that I'm surprised just hasn't come back to MLS at any point. You know, He had success in the early days. We've talked about it. Done well in South America. The attacking style definitely fits with everything that's been said. Uh, but he's been just out of the mix for so long in MLS. It's it's hard to say. Landon Donovan is the ultimate wild card. Uh, oh my! <laughs> hey, I mean, he's made it clear. You know, he wants to be a manager. He he's there's gonna there's gonna be a rumble in the parking lot. I mean, it's 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 gonna happen. I, th- I think Landon has definitely gotten the itch to go down that road. Um, I think I just pictured it's, him coaching the Miami team with Lawton in the first year of Beckham's franchise. Wow. <laughs> like watching three trains hauling nukes drop it towards each other. At full wow. That, I, I would I would almost hire him for that. Let, oh let's God, let's yes. just do it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. All right, Landon Donovan for Atlanta United manager. We're we're done. <laughs> he can learn Thanks on the job. Listening. All good. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we yeah, settled we're, everything. If, if we're not canceled by next week, <laughs> get get an email. No thanks, guys. We're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. You know, you see. You see it happen sometimes where you see somebody step into that role uh, very soon after their playing career ends. Some guys can immediately make the transition. Some guys can't. Um, Personally, I think it would be a ton of pressure on somebody who would be learning on the job. And I think, you know, some of the things Landon said early on when he first retired about wanting to work with the academy and, and work with young players... I think that would be a very smart move and to go into that side of things and get that experience. Uh, you know, Tab Ramos did that when he first went into management, he worked with 
young players, even pre-academy players, and then built up working with older players as he went. Um, that's really important. Ante Razov, another guy we've mentioned in Seattle, did the same thing. He worked with the Galaxies Academy, started at U14, then U18. Now he's a first-team assistant in Seattle. I think that is very important, and I would, for you know, a guy who's a U.S. soccer legend, I would rather see Landon go that road, get that experience. Don't rush it. There's going to be opportunities wherever, you know, he's he's going to get interviews wherever he wants it. Don't rush. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there, and don't flinch. Nobody flinch. Um, I'm not saying necessarily just for Atlanta, but Eric Winalda. Hey, I don't flinch at all on that, and I will. I'll give you my opinion straight up. Um, I think Winalda is an as an excellent eye for talent. I think he is extremely good and one of the best in the country at getting the most out of the players that he has. I think you saw the run he made with Calisee. You saw the the Open Cup run that he was involved in here in Atlanta. He gets everything he can out of the players he has. Um, I think in Atlanta, he might, personality-wise, there could be some clashes. I, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure he has a good relationship with, with Boca Negra. Um, I don't know if he's, he's talked with Eels or you know anybody else in the organization. I think he will be a very good manager in MLS if he gets the opportunity. And to be perfectly honest, the the spot that I've said for years um, in conversations with people that I think is tailor-made for Eric Winalda is Seattle. Because it's a... It's a... He he mentioned it on Twitter yesterday or today that he wouldn't... uh, Kind of insinuating that, you know, anyone would be flattered to take the job. He had a very diplomatic answer that was like, yeah, I mean, if someone said, hey, we need you to come manage Seattle, that he wouldn't, you know... That he he probably wouldn't play the the high and mighty card. He'd jump at it, which a lot of guys would. Seattle's a great... Seattle's a great job to take. Seattle's an incredible job to take, and I think what Seattle needs and where they are. You know, we've talked about them being a marquee franchise. We've talked about them being a flagship of MLS. They need a big personality there. And Siggy's been a big personality there, and he's been the face of that. I think you need an even bigger personality to follow Siggy. And there is not a bigger personality that can do that job than Eric Winalda. I think if you get him in there with that staff and, you know, you look at we keep going back to Razov, but Razov is an LA guy. I'm sure Eric and, and Razov, you know, have interacted plenty. I'm sure there'd be some comfort level there. Eric has pretty much anybody he would want to bring in. He could do it. This is a job that would be a perfect fit for him. Um, and I think Seattle would be insane to not consider it. Um, I, I agree. I don't know what direction they'll go, but we'll see. Um, if you would like to know more about managerial searches, people's opinions on the such, and all that other jazz, head over to Dirty South Soccer. Actually, all of our writers put in their opinions on a number of uh, questions on this topic. You can go over it, see if you agree, disagree, leave your comments, leave your questions, leave your concerns, leave your rants. All of that is capable thanks to the power of SB Nation. Um, Jason, the transfer window is almost closed, and... Um, Players are going out on loan with Atlanta United. Um, 
know, we already had the McCann to Coventry thing. Jones is going to Central FC, which Jones confirmed to us. Um, we just spoke about a little bit before we went on air, but it was uh, announced. The first I saw it was from uh, a friend of the program, Rob, over at SB Nation again and Dirty South Soccer and all of SB Nation Soccer that Vijalba is going to Tijuana. So, I mean, do you want to do a checkup on what all's going on and try and kind of reset ourselves? Yeah, I think a reset at this point is good. Um, transfer window ends August 3rd, so there's still time for players to come in. There's not really any credible rumors out there at the moment. So, I mean, you know there's conversations being had. You know players are being checked out. There's really nothing that's out there leaked in the Twitter sphere at the moment. So we don't know of anything that's impending. Um there's still going to be trades that happen within the league. And I think you could see some situations where teams are looking for allocation money or, or targeted allocation money. And Atlanta probably has a good stash of that at the moment. Um, Atlanta also has some draft picks. I think things could happen within the league where players become available to Atlanta that way. The expansion draft is still an unknown at where we're standing now uh, during all-star week, the commissioners made it as clear as he can without saying it, that Minnesota will be announced in the next couple weeks. There was a great article on uh, 55.1 today. It's a great source for Minnesota news to kind of explaining the situation. It's, you know, it all comes back to this stadium bill that's in front of the legislature and they're trying to make sure they get the best deal possible and get things done as quickly as possible. So they don't want to announce the team is starting next year and lose that leverage with the legislature because the legis- there, I think there's fear that the legislature could just say, well, then just play at Target Field, which is probably where they're going to play next year. Just play there. You don't need a new stadium. We're not going to support it. So... I think but it's going to get done. That's a really pretty stadium, to be fair. I don't know how it would play. It's it's big. I don't know how it would play for soccer, but it's a pretty stadium. There's that. Yeah, I think it would play. I mean, I think it would play better than Yankee Stadium just because of the, the size and you have more foul yeah. territory and there's different things to work with there. But, I mean, it'll be fine. Um, but, you know, getting into your own stadium is key just for the financial side of making the team work. So they're doing everything they can to get it done as quickly as possible, but there's some hurdles. Uh so we won't really know anything about an expansion draft until that announcement. And who knows? I don't, I don't know if it's happening or not at this point. So we'll see. The players who are now under contract, there's seven of them. And now that we know where Fishalba is going to be for the next six months, everybody kind of has somewhere to be and play and we can you know, check up on them. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's a good thing. That's kind of why we all, what is next for Atlanta United? We we kind of reset here with everybody going on loan. We now know where we can check up on them. We already knew we could check up on Charleston, uh, check up on Junior down in Tampa, by the way, who's still sitting on one goal, in case you were keeping a running tally or had a drinking game associated with it. He has one goal. So that's, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would want to sit here and say we're due for a classic Atlanta, you know, pull one out from behind the curtain that no one saw coming, but Jones kind of was already was that guy. Jones was the, we didn't see that coming to be fair. So was McCann, but like McCann definitely was, I mean, Jones, I think had at least been linked to MLS 
but not Atlanta yeah. specifically. Uh, McCann came out of absolute nowhere. I mean, but otherwise, yeah, all I could think is, so are we just going to, are we going to, I mean, are we just going to have one more kind of out of nowhere move that pops up? Um, as you mentioned, the whole thing with Minnesota coming into the league, I cannot imagine for a second that uh, the commissioner hasn't been in talks with Atlanta, that they haven't discussed how the next year is going to go on with the expansion draft, with the way things are going to yeah. work now, especially if both teams are going to come in and that Atlanta is yeah, exactly. Um, that Atlanta has made their plans accordingly to make sure right. that everything goes off without a hitch. So I'm not really worried um, at this point. I mostly because I'm selfish and I like instant gratification. Like most people, I want to see more people signed. Um, and to be honest, at this point, I'm waiting for that first moment where I get to see Kenwin Jones get a ball up front hold possession for a streaking Vijalba in open space and just watch him run for days. Yep. So I'm waiting for that moment. And we're going to have to put more pieces in to get to that moment. But we'll get there eventually. They just have to get more people. And I'm sure they have a plan now. And we'll see what the next few days hold. You never know. They could do a last-minute thing. They could make trades. The offseason will surely be busy. There's not ever going to be a shortage of news for a franchise that is, what are we, uh, six, seven months? I, I can't count. Seven, eight months away from starting play for the first time. There won't be a shortage of news. So if they don't sign anybody in the next, you know, four days, five days, don't fret. Things will happen. They'll probably get weird at some point. People will be upset. People will be happy. But things will happen. And you can always just go watch uh, – your favorite new signings, wherever they're playing, hell, they might be playing against your team. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's definitely not like a crisis situation if if they don't sign two, three, four more guys in the window. I, I do feel like there will be another one. Um, I just feel like there's you know a lot of opportunity at the moment, and there's still a lot of guys out there, you know, both in England and Europe. Um, who are being rumored, you know, to come to MLS or just being rumored to be on the move period. There's still some players out of contract. I think somebody else will be added in the next week. Um, we'll see who it is. The loaned players, I think are going to be the kind of the next thing to look at in addition to the, the manager hire, which again should happen soon. You know, you talked about junior Burgos in Tampa, uh, he, Going into the second half of the season, he needs to get more playing time, and he needs to to do more with the time he gets. Uh, in Charleston, you know, you have Tambakis splitting time with Cooper at goalkeeper. Uh, not an ideal situation. Um, you have Jeffrey O2 getting there now. Uh, he needs to, to integrate into the team and get playing time so we can see where he is because. You know, he's a big unknown, uh, you know, coming, you know, nobody knows what his level is. So you, you had some good things, uh, from Charleston's manager, uh, said to Doug Roberson in a recent article in the AJC about O2 and some promising things in his game. Now we need to see him in action. Uh, Carlton's a little bit different because he'll have time with the U17 national team uh, as they prepare for a world cup. So, you know, he won't see as much time in Charleston, but we'll see him in different places. You know, the three higher profile guys, they haven't been officially announced by Atlanta United yet. There's 
been things said about Jones and McCann that their contracts, I guess, don't start till August 1st, so they can't be loaned until that day. Vishalba could be in the same situation, but Cholos actually announced uh, tonight in Tijuana that he's part of the team. So we don't know if he's eligible to play tomorrow. Jolos plays Chivas tomorrow night, which is a huge game. Um, we don't know if Ishalba is eligible to play in that. We'll find out. If not, he'd be eligible next week. Jones will be one that we'll see soon. Uh, he has his first game with Central FC in Trinidad will be in the CONCACAF Champions League against Vancouver Whitecaps on August 2nd. So let's see. Uh, so that'd be that. Uh, so I mean, that's plenty of chance. That's plenty of time and plenty of chances for um, everyone to develop the appropriate amount of hate for Jones and what he may do in the future. Because eh, we're an Atlanta podcast, and I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind throwing shade because God, it's hot, and I just wish we had more shade. Um, we're already throwing shade on Jones, and he hasn't even suited up yet. Oh no, no, no! Not on Jones. On okay. uh, Whitecaps and on KC because. I am. Oh, I never, that shade. That's fine. I am never going to run out of uh, teams that Atlanta might anger and build a quote-unquote rivalry with. And that's. I had this discussion the other day with somebody about Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City, and the more news comes out, the more Kevin Durant looks like a villain. And I told him, we. I, I mentioned like we need more villains. I'm okay with having villains. We have our heroes. Villains are fine with me. If we have to be the villain, I'm okay with that. I can live that, with that. That's a huge thing in MLS and U.S. soccer as a whole. That it keeps popping back up, and I'm hearing you know different chatter about it. I think this is definitely a topic for a longer discussion. But U.S. soccer needs heels. You know, to, to use the pro wrestling term. No, it's a great term. I mean, we that, need the bad guys. We need them. And, you know, I heard Eddie Johnson this week on the United States of Soccer with Jason Davis talk about how U.S. soccer and MLS and teams definitely try to stamp down players with personality. Uh, you know, you, you just, I don't know. It seems like we shy away from it. And I don't know if that's because you've had such a heavy youth soccer influence. You've still worried so much about the youth soccer families coming out and you don't want anybody to be a bad guy or whatever. Um, I think Atlanta is definitely setting up to be the old school four horsemen of the NWA with flair and Magnum TA and, or not, sorry, Magnum was, would have been one of the other guys, uh, Tully Blanchard and, J.J. Dillon and all this, all the the heel stable. I mean, I guess that's going to be Atlanta United. I'm totally on board with this. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really opposed to it. I'm okay with it. Um, but like you said, every, like you need your heels um, and you need your personalities. That's a great point that I think kind of gets overlooked. And that's across all sports. Like, I think the NBA does such a great job of, um, you know, you know, Silver has a, has a hold on what's going on with the NBA, but they allow their people to be, uh, to be spontaneous and energetic in to a certain extent, but it works. NFL has their own personalities. Baseball, to a much lesser extent. I miss Pedro Martinez. Uh, not so much throwing Don Zimmer on the ground, but that swagger and that attitude. And I'm okay with that in the MLS. I'm okay with that in world soccer. Like I think for some people, that was the appeal of Zlatlanta, was having a guy who just had the swagger to take up an entire nation 
come in and be that huge personality. Now, granted, you're going to have to back it up, and it's a sport that if you don't back it up quickly, um, you know, it, it can turn on you really quickly. But I'm totally okay with if, if Atlanta has to be a heel, Atlanta has to be a heel. Um, hey, and I, and I think Atlanta has shown that, you know, Atlanta United is not afraid of players with personality. You know, Kenwin Jones, tons of personality. Love it. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say with, with uh, Vishalba yet, but you look at the way he plays and expresses himself on the field. He plays with personality. You've talked um, about Carlton. Same thing. Carlton goes out there wanting to thing. destroy you. Yep. Yep. Carlton wants to beat you 1v1. He has that swagger. I like it. I love that. I, I want to see more of it. And I think those are the players who are going to connect with the fan base and get people excited about it. And I'm okay with all of that. Um, so as we have just announced, Atlanta will be a heel and the next in the stable, the four horsemen. We have not decided if they will be drawn to Raw or SmackDown. Stay tuned for that. Um, yes. It's the All-Star Game. Uh, the All-Star Game, technically, this will be a Friday morning. The All-Star Game was last night. It was kind of like watching the football. I told you, Jason, it was kind of, to me, it was like watching the soccer version of the NBA All-Star Game in that it just kind of looked like shooting practice for a while. Um, but all the Arsenal fans in my life were having emotional crises for 90 minutes. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I got to see Drogba score on them again. That's always a good time. They were triggered. I'm not going to lie. And I, I texted somebody. I said, Drogba scored on us. Like, you did, Don't give him one chance. You gave him three in three seconds. And he's going to get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even really need one sometimes. And you gave him three. Eventually, it's just... It's just going to happen, but um, uh, if if you haven't checked by now, Arsenal did win to beat the MLS, so uh, a North London club will talk smack against the MLS. That's a thing. You can enjoy that for a while until Arsenal finishes, like, I don't know, fourth or fifth this year in the EPL. Oof. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, not so, it's not so much that they're bad. It's that everyone else is getting good. Manchester United is printing money. Because I saw I saw 133 million next to Paul Pogba's name, and at that point, I just assume that Manchester United is in on its own currency, separate from the pound. So that's that. <laughs> um. Anyway, back on point. All Star Game was tonight. We're to that point, Jason, where we're getting to the point in the season where things are starting to shake out. We talked about Seattle, ten points back. The playoff streak might be ending. Um. We've discussed this before. Portland. Kind of making the run. Um, New York City, NYCFC, you know, sitting on top of the East. Dallas in its usual place where they're kind of uh, just chilling out on top of the West. Um, what are you thinking right now for the MLS Cup as we get closer to it? Man, before uh, this week, I would have stuck with Dallas, missing uh, Fabian Castillo now that they've it looks like pulled the trigger and he will be headed to Turkey for around $4 million. Um, how are they going to replace him? They don't really have a player waiting in the wings who can slide right in and be that same type of player, even same style of player. So they'll, they'll be an adjustment period. They do have some time for that. You know, Dallas is, played 23 games they have 11 more games in the league they also have uh concacaf they have an open cup semifinal as well um dallas i think is still 
to me, I think they'd still have to be the favorite, but there's a big asterisk by them. Uh, the other two that, you know, kind of getting ready for this and looking at it, Colorado and L.A., I'm, I'm still not all the way convinced by Colorado yet, but get, when you start digging into them, they've only lost twice all season. They've had a lot of ties, but they've only lost twice. They've only given up 14 goals in 20 games, very strong defensively. You know, we talked about it with Orlando. Colorado is a scrappy team. They're going to get goals late to either win a game or salvage a draw. That kind of style plays well for them in the playoffs. You know, the playoffs are generally tight, edgy, intense games. And what Colorado is bringing to the table with a strong defense and a scrappy team can get the job done in the playoffs. I still need to see it from them a little bit, though. Um, I'm just not convinced until they do something in the playoffs to show me. L.A., on the other hand, is a team that you think they're going to do it until they don't. And they've won four in a row. The Stars are really performing well for them. Robbie Keane's been been great. Uh, If they have a question mark, it's Probably still at goalkeeper Brian Rowe is is still a little unproven in the big games, so you, you want to see how he reacts to that pressure. If only there was a really good goalkeeper, I don't know, sitting second in the conference in Colorado who just got displaced by a thirty eight year old national player. Shut up, he's going to come to Atlanta. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, don't but, give LA any ideas. But still, like, like, oh, if only there wasn't one just sitting there without a job. Well, but that's the thing. I mean, Rose Rose been good this year. You know, he hasn't he hasn't you know been poor, but and, and McMath would kind of be in the same boat to be honest. You know, you I think there's a difference between a good regular season goalkeeper and a good playoff goalkeeper, and that's one of those things. You know, when you get into MLS and you see that difference, the playoffs are a whole different animal. And I hope that that fans who are getting excited about Atlanta United and you know, haven't watched a lot of MLS, start paying attention from here through MLS Cup because you get to see kind of what MLS is all about from here through the final whistled MLS Cup. You know, people talk, and I, I do not want to get into a pro-rel conversation. I'm not going there. But people talk about how there's no pressure on teams and no intensity in games, and games don't mean anything. That's BS. When you I get into the situation, Sam, what's up? I think it was I think it was Franco the other day at the Atlanta Soccer Con who started the discussion with that. I thought there was going to be a riot five seconds into the discussions. <laughs> I I headed for cover. I, I wanted no part of that one. We've got and the heads of all the Atlanta supporter groups sitting there being peaceful, and he starts talking pro rel. <laughs> I swear to God, I saw three pitchforks just come out of hammer space. It's it's a dangerous move, but he he went there. I'm not going there. I'm not having no, that conversation right now. <laughs> However, I want to have that conversation. No, oh. not going there. But the comment is always like, "Oh, there's nothing on the line." That's not true. Watch from here through the end of the season. Watch the playoffs. There's different things on the line, but the intensity is there. You watch the final day of the regular season when teams are jockeying for playoff spots or trying to play their way in the intensity is there you watch those one game playoffs in the first round huge intensity that's where you'll get to see is colorado for real 
is Brian Rowe ready for the job at hand? Um, can Dallas replace a game changer like Castillo? Uh, and, you know, you mentioned that. We saw it last year um, with, you know, with that absurd shootout in the MLS playoffs where, uh, God, was it was it KC? It was. It just Atlanta the living hell out of that thing. Like A little bit. I'm sorry, but until that happened, I had a missed penalty off of both uprights. That that was something I had begged for Atlanta to do. Um, but you saw how it just... Portland, you know, by all accounts, maybe shouldn't have made it through that. And then they did. And then they caught fire. And not to take away from Portland, they were a very solid team, as they proved throughout the playoffs. But they still just kind of rolled through and... Um, they still just kind of decided to like, we're going to roll through and just go win a cup now. No big deal. Yeah. And that's the thing coming back to this year, you know, I, I kind of go to Dallas, Colorado, LA as my favorites for MLS cup here at the end of July. Portland is one of those wild cards to me, even though they're out of the playoffs at the moment. I'd say they're, they're like a couple point there. I think they're one point out. They're one point out. So they're right there, but they've been there. They know what it's like. They did it last year. You know, you, you have to kind of give them that, that, okay, they can put this together. They, they've only had one loss since mid-May. Uh, they just had a lot of draws. Uh, their defense is probably the biggest question mark at this point, and we've got to see what they do in the next week to shore it up. You know, Nat Borchers with an Achilles injury done for the rest of the season. Ridgewell's been hurt. Um, they just brought in another goalkeeper to back up Gleason. And they brought in the Lithuanian outside back. There's pretty heavy rumors that they're bringing in Taylor from Newcastle as a center back. They're showing up everything. Good Lord, they're making the run. Yeah, and they're saying they're going to get another defender, too. They're probably looking. uh, The report out of Portland today was that they were looking for a center back who can step in and play right now because of the Borchers injury, and that would be Taylor. And they're looking for a player that can kind of grow with the club a little bit, a younger center back. They do realize I'm, I'm they can a, only play five at a time, like reasonably, right? Hey, Caleb Porter can, can come up with something. We'll see what he's got. Porter's going to come up with a seven defensive line. He's going to play a red <laughs> rover. He's just going to play a red rover at the edge of the box. Hey, you got to do what you got to do to defend the title. And, he, and he, that might be where he goes. I would sit here and make fun of it, and he'd make, make it to the semifinals of the cup. And I'm sitting here with that on my face. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm just, I'm not ruling them out. I think, no, you no. know, it's, it's so hard to see until they, they finish this transfer window. Uh, the, the Borchers injury really throws them for a loop. So we'll see if the Taylor deal gets done and, then who else is coming as well and how quick it can come together. The other wild cards to me are in the Eastern Conference because I don't know who's coming out of it. You know, it's you have New York City FC, first place. Big surprise there. You have Patrick Vieira still kind of learning how to handle the teams in these games. I think the, the place you see that learning period come out is where they kind of fall apart in a big way in games. You know, they had the two big losses in the Hudson River Derby. Um, They just have these kind of meltdown moments. And that's, you know, emblematic of a a young manager who's who's still figuring it out. 
their defense is a huge issue, and that's where I think they'll be undone in the playoffs. I think defense, you know, becomes prioritized in the playoffs, and I just don't think New York City FC has enough there to get it done. I think the Red Bulls actually are better off in that spot. I think they probably are built better for a playoff run. Uh, they've only lost once in the last six. They have the best goal differential in the Eastern Conference. Their defense has been good. Uh, the midfield for them with, with Kleschen and McCarty, I think, are what really makes them go. And if those two keep playing the way they have recently, I, they're going to be probably the favorites in the East. Philadelphia is the one that's kind of come back to the pack. They were up there for quite a while. They've, they've lost three of their last five. They're having problems in the back as well. I think the Eastern Conference is, is a toss-up at this point, but if I had to put somebody in MLS Cup from the East right now, it'd be the Red Bulls. That's fair. Um, You know, you talk about New York City being in first place. It's one of those things where I look at the lineup and I look what they can run out there every week and think, yeah, this is this is how it's, like that makes a lot of sense. As much talent as they have, as much as they got going for them, like that makes sense. It's kind of cool seeing them put it all together, though. The league has to love it that you have a you have the big market team just doing its thing out there. By the way, they still have um. I think it's mostly thanks to the fact that they got you know beat by a touchdown a couple uh, matchups ago with New York Red Bulls. They still do it. The team leading the East has a negative goal differential. They're yeah, minus that, four. That's yeah. that's just really fun to me. It's bizarre. Like it's <laughs> absolutely bizarre. The team leading the East has given up the most goals in the East by four. Like it's not close. <laughs> Red Bulls fans have to be punching a wall right now. You have a plus twelve differential on New York City FC. You're still back by two points, and you at they've, one point you beat them by a touchdown. They've given up more goals than any team in the league by four and they're leading the east it, the east is fun and this is i know this is what you're getting at i mean it's it the east could depending on how things go those last few positions in the east could just turn into a really ugly bum fight and i'm okay with that all right let me go way way out on a limb here yeah um, now that i'm thinking about this and i've i've crowned the red bulls as as the favorite for the east my more of a wild card in the East is Montreal. Montreal, if they can kind of just put it together, I think it's so close for them. They look like world beaters one week, and then it's just, nah, the next week. Uh, Nacho Piatti is my favorite player in the league right now. Dude has skills for days. If they can make it work, they're four points back right now. They're in fourth place. I think they could be the one who makes a run uh, and can challenge New York. I just, I don't think Philadelphia's got enough to do it. I think New York City's defense is going to hurt them. I think Montreal's the one who could could leapfrog and be the challenger for the Red Bulls, and that would be a fun Eastern Conference final. That would be, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'd be okay with that. Um, you're still going to trigger a bunch of people if, you know, Drugba's doing things. That's still going to be a thing that happens. I mean, he's still he's still doing things though. You know, you think like he's thirty five minutes a night, but that's hey. Time. Well, if you've got the other pieces around him, um, he doesn't have to do much more than that. You know, you and know, that's where 
a guy like Piotti is so valuable to them. You talk about it, but like in a one-off game, that's absolutely terrifying that a guy could come on and possibly drop two or three goals on you in 35, 40 minutes and not blink doing it. It's a hell of a weapon. So You saw the, the series last year with Columbus. I mean, it was oh, yeah. wild. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, we'll, we'll revisit it as we get closer. We'll come back to it, and we'll see how things break down. Um, a quick question about the All-Star game, though. Uh, fun or serious for you, Jason? I would rather go fun. I think, you know, you saw it in the game uh, with Arsenal where you had a couple tackles early and uh, Kellen Acosta got hit studs up. Um, you can, I mean, if, if I was sitting with Oscar Pereja at that moment, I think he would have been throwing lots of things and cursing loudly. Uh, I think the All-Star game, I, I totally get it. And I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, we don't need to have an all-star game because the Premier League doesn't. I think that's stupid. Have an all-star game if you want to have an all-star game. It's fine. I think from a, a marketing of the league, from a, you know a big event, especially one thing to consider that I think gets left out of this, in the past when you had MLS Cup at a neutral site, you know, that was the showpiece event for the league. And that was where you would bring all of the sponsor activations and bring, you know, community events, all kinds of stuff around MLS cup, because you knew what it was going to be. You could plan for it. You don't have that now. So the all-star game has become that it is the showpiece for the league. It's, it's much like what the, the major league baseball all-star game is, what the NBA all-star game is, uh, pro bowl, not so much the NHL all-star games trying to get there, but not really. I think the MLS all-star game is a, is a valuable tool for the league and I'm fine with having it but I would go back to the old school East versus West. Yeah, that seems to be a lot of the people I'm running into and asking about just kind of pick their brain is they prefer that East versus West format. Um, I'm, you know what? I'm fine with this whole thing. Like it may, and this is selfishness talking, but I hope that Atlanta would get an MLS all-star game down the road uh, with the fancy new stadium that uh, blank is putting up downtown. And I would love to see, you know, a major team come in here and play against the stars. But at the same time, like an East versus West would be a lot of fun to see. Um, whether you believe in bragging rights or whether you think it's nothing and you just think it's overblown, there's that potential. Um, if I can pick your brain, Jason, how would you feel about something of a skills competition? Or is there too much risk involved? Um, that sort of thing. Uh, you'd have to you'd have to find the right way to do it. Um, I know they've tried it in the past, and they've they did a skills competition that was probably closer to, I don't know if you've ever, ever seen the the quarterback challenge that they do in yeah. the NFL offseason. It was kind of like that. It was more of like a, a real like skills competition. You had skill activities. I would rather see them go more towards what the NBA does with slam dunk contest, three point shootout stuff. That's more fun. Yeah. That's um, the direction I would prefer as well. If I have a choice. Yeah. I mean, you could do a, you could do a freestyle competition and you bring the music and, and that element into it. And I'm sure you have some players in the league who could really have fun with that. Um, I, I kind of, you know, half jokingly said it uh, in the Daily Dirt today, talking about the All-Star game, about doing a Pana competition where it's, you know, like two versus two in a small space and the first, first team to nutmeg their opponents wins. And you can do like a, a knockout tournament of that. That would be fun. I'd watch that. I, I would too. I mean, I'd watch it. I know you can't do, they wouldn't do this just because of the risk involved probably. But I, I would watch a futsal game between the, a lot of these guys. Yeah. 
yeah, a futsal game. Um, you know, I mean, you could do the indoor game. You could do futsal without the walls. There's lots of different things you could do, whether you could do a beach soccer game. I mean, there's, there's lots of different things you could do and have fun with it. Um, and I'd rather see them find the balance of that because I think you just don't have a lot to gain from the format you're in right now because if you you beat Arsenal tonight, well, it's their, I think it was their first preseason game, maybe second. Uh, they're not in season. They're not ready for it. They're playing a bunch of kids. You should have beat them because you have Kaká and David and, and these guys playing. Okay, then if you lose, it's like, oh, well, the league's not nearly as good. Look, Arsenal's second team beat them in a preseason game, even though these guys have never played together and practiced like once. You're in a no-win situation, and then you add that it's not a friendly, it is a friendly, it's not a competitive game, it is a competitive game element to it. And you see situations like tonight, some studs up tackles flying in. You saw it a couple of years ago in Portland where Pep Guardiola like wouldn't even shake Caleb Porter's hand because Will Johnson and Osvaldo Alonso did what they do and whacked somebody. I mean, it's you're, you're in a no-win situation with the format you have right now. And I think it's just not worth the risk of either injury or a Manchester United blowout type of situation like you had before i i would just rather see an east versus west you have 20 teams now you're gonna have more coming you could field two fun good teams of eastern conference versus western conference and i think it could work and be an entertaining tv spectacle i'm totally on board with that um if they go back that's fine if they keep doing what they're doing look the league is growing so i'm not here to tell them you know don't fix what isn't broken um, and really, everyone but Arsenal fans did win tonight because, again, Drogba scored on Arsenal. So oh, everyone, <laughs> every, I think it was the SB Nation blog for Chelsea posted Drogba scored on Arsenal because it's a day that ends in Y. So That's true. it just felt like home. Um, anyway, you can recap the game. It's on SBNation.com. Go do that. Go watch highlights. Go watch Drogba score. Go watch Arsenal do things because, let's be honest, Ox was healthy for Arsenal, and it was kind of weird to watch him be healthy and operate in space. That was kind of fun. Um, Give him time. Give him time. Preseason just started. If you're a neutral observer, that's kind of fun to watch, and I am. Um, Finally, Jason, we return to our favorite smoldering crater, Seattle. (laughs) uh, Wow, you're enjoying this. Facing a team that they are looking up at, LA Galaxy, who, uh, yeah, I mean, LA is okay. Seattle's not. There's not many ways this can go. You know, it's it's one of these things. I mean, and it's going to say a lot about what's really wrong in Seattle as to see how they come out. Uh, you you often see a team with kind of that bounce back after a manager change, after a coaching change, because you have players playing for their you know, professional futures in that town. So will you see that here? Uh, you should, because they're not completely out of it. They should have the pride to want to finish the season correctly and not be a smoldering crater of sadness like they have been. Um, I, it's just, do they have enough to do it? I mean, you have Nicholas Ladero coming from Boca Juniors. You have uh, Flaco Fernandez coming back, who was there before. That's 
those are two huge additions for the Sounders. Uh, how long is it going to take them to fit in? You know, is Ladero really the guy to, to fix this and, and give their offense a punch? If, do they have any prayer of salvaging the season and getting into the playoffs? And they have to try to start that against L.A., who's won their last four and is just looking like a force. The, Seattle's at home. Um, I think you're going to have a huge atmosphere. You're going to have a lot of people really up to see this team respond to not just not just the bad game last week in Kansas City, which you would want to see a response from that monstrosity, but also how they respond to basically that group of players getting the only manager the club has ever had fired because that's what happened. Um, I think you will see a response and I think you're going to see, I don't know if Seattle has enough to win this thing, but I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say two, two draw. That's fair. Um, I'm going to, I can't be that, and uh, no, no, that's totally fair, and I think that is absolutely given your history of this. That's totally a thing that's probably going to happen. Um, it's, and I get the idea of a bounce back, but there was so much with Seattle that I think it goes beyond the manager. And this is one of the things that one of the questions that got brought up with Seattle of you know what happens this next game. You know if uh, if they come out flat, uh, do you look at the new manager? Do you look at the the ownership? Like this whole team's kind of a mess right now. And yeah, Siggy's gone. Yeah, these guys are the ones standing over the chalk outline on the ground. That's that's just the way it is right now. Um, is it an indictment of the entire club? I don't know. Like we don't really know how deep this goes. It's kind of been implied, as you said earlier, when you read between the lines, like um, you know, whether or not it's something that's just with them or whether it's well, I bet the coaching staff, whether it goes deeper than that, whether it's just the players. I don't think they beat L.A. because simply from the fact that you're coming out of the All-Star break, L.A. is coming off a win against Portland and basically kind of holding Portland off from the sixth spot. And, you know, L.A. is three points behind Colorado. They need to be looking for blood to get into, you know, they're, six, they're, they're three points back there. They're six points behind FC Dallas. They're going to be out looking for blood. They're going to be yeah. out looking to capture three points because, you know, whether or not Seattle is a legacy program is fine. However you want to, you know, talk about that. Um, to switch sports, Braves were a legacy team in the 90s. Doesn't stop teams from going out there and molly whopping them night after night into the worst record in baseball. Like, the team doesn't stay the best. Streaks end. Things happen. The bottom line is Seattle's in second from the last. They're they're right there at the basement. Uh, Houston, who already made a coaching change, is sitting in the basement. LA's playing. Bottom line here is it's the number three team playing the number nine team, and the number three team needs points. So they're going to take a lead pipe, and they're probably going to try and take it by force. And I think they do to you know a three to two showing where I'd say three to two that Seattle puts up a fight, but LA is hungrier and they're out for blood right now because they want the points and they want to move up. 
They don't yeah, want I mean, to get, look- they don't want to get stuck in the middle of the, all that of that fight for having to you know play that one off game where weird things happen in the playoffs. That's it, and that's what it is. You know, you, you talk about well, what what do teams have to play for? LA's solidly in the playoffs. Well, right now they would be hosting Vancouver in a one-off to move on. You don't want to be in the one-off situation. They want to be in the one or the two spot, so they get a two-game series in the conference semifinals. They don't want to have their season come down to one game, so they need all the points they can get. I just think. You know, looking at it, Seattle has to show something. Um, I, you know, it's who knows if how how quick Ladero and and Fernandez get get into the flow, but you know, you have players. I, I don't know if integrity is quite the right word, but you get their professionalism. You have, you know, key. Well-known MLS players, professionalism being challenged at this point. Um, there has to be a response. You know, Clint Dempsey has to respond. Jordan Morris has to show up here. Uh, that back line has to show up. And I think they do as well as they possibly can. I think the, the roster, and until you get Ladero and Fernandez integrated into it and everything fits, it's going to be a battle. And I think that's probably the biggest reason Seattle won't get into the playoffs this year because it's just so late to make those additions but you're gonna see a response this week i would expect and i think it might be enough to to get a draw out of this thing um be a fun one to watch i mean there's a lot of a lot of questions going into that so definitely some some intrigue around that game this week i agree and if they come out flat by the way i mean that does if they come out flat uh the finger gets pointed somewhere else and the pressure gets mounted beyond oh, the coaching staff. I don't know, beyond I don't know where that goes. Uh, does it go to the players? Does it go to the interim coach? Does it go to the ownership? Um, this isn't like, like when I think of Seattle, aside from, okay, let's get rid of the fact that the Seahawks won a title in football a couple of years ago. This is a team that, or this is a city that, you know, for a while there was kind of kicked around sport wise. And you've given them a really solid program and a really solid organization and franchise for these last you know eight years. They're probably not going to be willing to you know ride down to the basement to reset the foundation of the house. They'd probably like to uh, they'd probably like to renovate the house while they're living in it and not have to go stay at the extended stay down the street, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So if if they come out flat. Like if they get bulldozed, you know, like uh, it doesn't have to be ugly. Like it can be two to nothing, and you look at it and go, "Wow, that two to nothing was really generous compared to what we just saw." If it's that kind of thing, um, woe be unto the front office, woe be unto the players, woe be unto anyone who has to answer a question from the Seattle or the entire Cascadian media. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. If if they come out and lay an absolute egg on Sunday and players look disinterested like they did in Kansas City and you don't see any response to what's happened this week, there's a week that players can be shipped out of town. You still have another week in that transfer window and there might be more changes afoot in Seattle if, if you don't see a better just better performance. I mean, it's not even about three points at this point. I mean, it is to get into the playoffs, yes, but 
you have to expect a better performance than what you saw in Kansas City out of the Sounders this week. And if you don't see it, I think more heads are going to roll in the next week. That's completely reasonable. Um, and it, by the way, it's at CenturyLink Field. Like when they got railroaded by um, by Kansas City, that was in Kansas City. It was like 500 degrees Celsius out there that day on that field. That's bad, and that's tough to go away from home. Sure, you know the writings on the wall, all that. Well, look, um, the cord was cut. It's done. We've tried to move on. You're at home, and you're fighting for – you really could be fighting for your season. Like you said, there's a week left. If this thing goes south this weekend, Seattle could completely just – you know what? Fine. We'll tear it down. Uh, there, there's rot in the wall. We're tearing out the entire wall. Take out the tub. We'll smash it down. We'll put something in new next year. This could be them fighting for their season, and at the same time, this is L.A. fighting for points. So I still say L.A. takes it like three to two. Good fight from Seattle, but I'll take three to two L.A. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go two two. I think I think Seattle shows enough to get a point out of it. I think you know Bruce is, has been there, done that. I He's gonna. Expect, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's the case. Yeah, I mean Bruce is just he's savvy, and I think he's gonna expect Seattle to come out and and really throw everything they've got at the Galaxy early. And he's going to kind of sit back and, and rope-a-dope it and, and you know try to hit on the counter. And L.A.'s had Seattle's number in that historically. But I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, looking at that roster and looking, looking at some of the players Seattle has, they have to show something here. And I think they show enough to get a point. Well, we'll see. Um and whatever happens, we'll find out next week. But thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Start to wrap things up here at the Peachtree Post. Feel free, check us out. Always find us. Uh, we are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Overcast, we discovered the other day. So we're growing. We're slowly taking over. Uh, resistance is futile. Uh, smile, and we'll not only will you be assimilated, we'll also give you lemonade in this hot weather as it goes along. Feel free to check us out uh, on Twitter. Jason Longshore can be found at Longshoe. You can find me, Jarrett Smith, at Jarrett underscore Smith. We are on Twitter. Check out more of the uh, work around Atlanta soccer, especially with Jason Longshore, over at Dirty South Soccer, your SB Nation source for all things Atlanta United. Check out with SB Nation as well for anything else soccer-related or Atlanta-related, if that's your vibe. Uh, heads on over to Mouths of the South our brother podcast over there on SB Nation, keeping you up to date with other things going on in Atlanta United and the Charleston Battery, especially if you're more into what's going on with the young kids down there. Jason, uh, thank you for bringing your many insect friends. Also, the couple of, I'm assuming those were 757s at some point, 747s at some point. Those were fun. <laughs> hey, I, I do my best. Uh, but thank you, Jason, for another week. And uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks again and have a good week, everyone.